Great to see everybody out in God's house on this Monday. I hope your day was well. Mondays are always, it's the first, I mean, I guess technically Sunday's the first day of the week, but for me, like, Mondays has always been that, just the first day of the week, and uh, no one looks forward to Mondays, um, except when you know I got young adults at the end of the night. And uh, so I hope that this time has been encouraging to you, and now we're going to study God's Word together. And I'm excited to announce uh, that we are digging into a brand new series that I'm calling God Is. God Is. You know, there are a lot of different opinions about who God is and what God is like. Am I right? You know, you go on social media, or you read books, or you watch different movies, or, or just the classroom or society, they will fill in the blank for you. God is blank. And that's why I've got the blank at the end of this, because God is blank, because the, the world loves to fill in this blank. But what I find so interesting is that non-Christians and even professing Christians still seem to be so confused about who God is and what God is like. Even though God has given us his word, his love letter to humanity, and he reveals himself in the pages of Scripture, and he tells us exactly what he is like and who he is and how he functions and how he operates. But yet there's still so much confusion about what God is, who God is, what God is like, what God does. And the world will fill in this blank in a variety of ways. Am I right? There are a lot of different words that the world would use to describe God and fill in this blank. For example, if Ariana Grande was teaching this series, here's how she... (laughs) Oh my goodness, you pervert. Get out of here. No, I'm kidding. I love you in Jesus' name. If Ariana Grande, the very popular singer, if she were teaching this message, here's how she would fill in this blank. God is a woman... Right. Coming out with my new album next week. All right, this, this is the title of her song, God is a Woman. It was her hit song in 2018. It was nominated for a Grammy Award. And this is how she would fill in this blank, God is a Woman. Now, strictly speaking, um, God does not have a gender. John, 14, or John chapter 4, verse 24, Jesus said God is spirit. However, God chooses to reveal himself in Scripture using masculine pronouns. The very first chapter of the very first book, in Genesis 127, it says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So God refers himself from the very beginning in masculine terms, and so should we. It's not to disparage women. God is... Technically speaking, strictly speaking from Scripture, he, he does not have gender. He is he, God is spirit. But he refers to himself in masculine pronouns all throughout Scripture. Here's how Richard Dawkins would fill in this blank. Richard Dawkins, a British biologist and an atheist, he wrote a book called The God Delusion. And this is how he would fill in the blank uh, when referring to the God of the Old Testament. A little bit lengthier. God is... Arguably the most unpleasant character in all of fiction. Jealous and proud of it. A petty, unjust, unforgiving control freak. A vindictive, bloodthirsty, ethnic cleanser. 
a misogynistic, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, filicidal, pestilential, megalomaniacal, sadomasochistic, capriciously, malevolently, malevolent bully. I don't even know what some of those words mean, but I think he's angry. Someone needs a nap. This is how Richard Dawkins would fill in the blank. God is. This is how Gandhi, the famous Hindu, this is how he would fill in the God is blank. He said, God is that indefinable something which we all feel but which we do not know. So according to Gandhi, God is impersonal. He's unknowable. We can all feel him out there, but we can't have a personal relationship with it. We don't, we don't know, we can't know God. This is how another famous celebrity would fill in the blank. God is obsessed with you. What do you think about that? Who said it? Justin Bieber. This is what he said in an Instagram post. God's love for you is not based on your performance. I would say that's true. He goes on to say, which means he could not be more obsessed with you than he is right now. Now, I know generally what he's trying to communicate. He's trying to put this in a positive way to communicate that God loves you so much, which I would totally agree with that. But the word obsession for me carries the connotation of an unhealthy infatuation with something. I'm obsessed with donuts. I'm obsessed with this girl. I'm obsessed with this guy. There is the connotation of having an unhealthy infatuation with some, something or someone. The definition of obsession in Webster's Dictionary is a persistent, disturbing preoccupation with an often unreasonable ideal or feeling. Now, I would say that God adores you, that God is head over heels in love with you. But in my opinion, to say that God is obsessed with me is a very me-centric reading of Scripture. Now, I don't mean to be judgmental towards Justin Bieber. I honestly think that he is a believer in Jesus Christ. I think he's saved according to some of the things I've heard him say about the faith. Uh, in all honesty, I'm disappointed with the language he's using in his recent music. What's up with that? I don't, I don't get it. I, I think Justin needs to be discipled. I think he needs to be mentored. But I think only God knows the heart. I think he's a, a Christian, according to some of the things I've heard him say about faith. Maybe an immature believer. Okay, now, my whole point is not to harp on Justin Bieber or any of these people, okay? But rather, my heart, listen, my heart for this young adult community here at church, at Cornerstone, is for us to have a better, clearer, biblically accurate understanding of who God is and what God is like. It is so important that we have a better, yes, clearer, yes, but most importantly, a biblically accurate understanding of who God is. It's extremely important because the world will attempt to fill this blank in using a variety of different ways, using a variety of different words. But what I want to do over this series is I want to allow the Bible to fill in the blank. I want to allow God's word to speak for itself. After all, this is God's book, right? Because here's why it's important to have a biblically accurate understanding of who God is and who God portrays himself in Scripture. 
when we have a biblically accurate picture of God, then we will understand how to properly respond to God. When you don't have an accurate, complete picture of who God is, it will be difficult for you to fully understand how should I respond to this God? How should I respond to this God? Many of you have grown up in different backgrounds, different churches, different homes where God was portrayed to you in a certain light. And that portrayal of God then led you to respond to God in different ways. True? It's important to have a biblically accurate understanding of who God is and what God is like. And the only way you do that is you open up his book. All right, God used human authors to write this book, but the Bible says that this book was inspired by God. So let's let God's word fill in the blank. Because if your takeaway, if your takeaway after reading this book is that God is a woman or that God is a bully or that God is impersonal or that God is obsessed with you, then you're either not reading it right, you're not reading it all, or you're not reading it at all. This is why I stress to get in the Word and to read your Bibles and to not just come to church on Sundays or Mondays or Wednesdays, whenever you come, not just to open up the Bible on church days. You need to read this book entirely. And if you're taking notes, you have notes in your phone, I want you to write that word down. Read the Bible entirely. Entirely. Because when you read the book entirely, it will give you a full picture, a full understanding of who God is. If you are selective with this book, if you're selective by choosing certain excerpts from this book, then you will have a, either an inaccurate or an incomplete view of who God is. Does anybody have like a journal or a diary? All right, the, all the ladies, yes, yeah, some of the guys are, should I raise my hand to this? Guys, I got a journal. You get, all the guys should get a journal. All right, ladies usually, usually call it diary, guys call it journal. It justifies it a little bit more. Guys, get a journal, write stuff down, it's good stuff. If, if I were to get a hold of your diary or your journal... And let's say I were to be selective with the excerpts I took from your diary. Let's say that I took the excerpts from your, just your bad days. You were just having a, a rough day, you know, and you wrote it down. You know, diaries, journals, you, you write down your thoughts, you write down your feelings, you write down your observations, you write down your views of things in the world. All right, let's say I was selective with your diary and I, I just collected the sad days, the days where you were just sad. And I collected those, I took them out, I stapled them together, I gave it to someone, I said, hey, read about this, this person. That would be totally unfair, wouldn't it? If I were to selectively choose things from your book, from your story, from your diary, on the sad days, and, and someone were to read that, that would be an unfair call on your character. Why? Because it's not the full story. You'd come across, that person would come away reading those selective excerpts and they would, they would think, man, this, this person's depressed. This person, this person needs help. This person needs to go to a professional counselor. This person, don't, don't, don't invite them to the party. They're going to be a killjoy. This person is always sad. All right, let's say I took excerpts, excerpts from your diary, from your journal, and it was just, the, the, 
if you have a journal, you, you, write, you write out some of the things you're frustrated with. Man, I've just had a bad day. I'm frustrated with this. Let's say I took all the excerpts, I was selective with it, and I, I took them, I stapled them together, I handed it to someone. It was all the bad, rough days. You were just angry. They would, they would walk away thinking, this person, they would identify you wholly as, this is an angry person. Don't talk to them, don't bother them, don't walk around them. That would be unfair, wouldn't it? And yet, why do we do that with the Bible? The world, culture, even Christians, we, we're very selective. If you are in the Old Testament and you're selective, you just read some verses in the Old Testament, you could fill in this blank very easily. God is angry. God is a killjoy. God is a dictator. God is very eager to punish me for my sin. And we call out God on his character because we've been selective with the excerpts that we've read. And what happens is when we're selective with scripture, when we're selective with God's word, we fall into two very unhealthy extremes. Like I mentioned, you take excerpts from the Old Testament, you fill in that blank, God is angry, God is a killjoy. Right, this, is, this is Richard Dawkins' view of who God is. What's so interesting to me about Richard Dawkins is he seems to hate and be so mad at someone that he claims doesn't even exist. And so he's selective with his Bible reading. He hasn't read it entirely. I don't know that for a fact. I should be clear. But by the way he talks about my God, I question whether he's read this book entirely. And then... So you take selective excerpts from, from the Bible, and, and what happens is you fall into two unhealthy camps. You're selective, and you label this, you fill in the blank, God is angry, God is, God is eager to punish me for sin, and then when you have an incomplete or inaccurate view of who God is, it then tells you how you should live and how you should respond, and many of you, you fill in the blank and you say God is angry, and what happens is then you respond to God, you, you don't know how to respond to him. You're fearful of God. Was that any of you? Maybe grew up in certain homes or certain churches, had certain backgrounds where you filled in the blank and, and your predominant word was, God is angry. He's angry at me and I'm, I'm fearful of him. And so either you live in constant fear or you dismiss him altogether. I don't want anything to do with him. If that's who God is, I don't want anything to do with him. And you rebel against him or you just choose to disbelieve in him altogether. So it shapes your worldview and it shapes your behavior. The other unhealthy extreme we can fall into is we're selective with the excerpts that we read. And we fill in the blank, God is lovey-dovey. God is obsessed with me. God overlooks my sin and my bad behavior and my lifestyle. And so then that selective reading of, of scripture then says to your worldview and to your mindset about yourself, well, I can just live however I want. God doesn't judge me. God doesn't judge sin. And so you fill in the blank a certain way and it shapes your view of self. Well, I can do whatever I want. I can do this. I can do that. I can change my gender. I can do this. 
I can, I can live a certain lifestyle that all those Christians say is wrong, but the God I see in Scripture, he's, he's a God of love. He, he doesn't judge. And so you have then an incomplete or inaccurate view of who God is because you're being selective with his letter. You wouldn't want someone to do it to you, reading your, your journal, your diary, nor should we do it with God's word. We need to read it entirely. It's the same with God's word. Read this book entirely to understand the full picture of who God is. And what happens is, when we are selective with God's journal, with God's letter, what happens is we run to whichever God we feel more comfortable living with. And we shape God and we fashion God into someone that he never claims to be, and it's a false God. And we live unhealthy lives. So here's what I want to do over the next four weeks. I'm not going to quite fill in this blank tonight. I'm going to save that for the next four weeks. This was more of an introduction to the study. Rather than let music or books or philosophy or culture define who God is and what God is like, I want to let the Bible, God's word, fill in this blank. Though this study could be exhaustive, all right, we could be here in this study for months. God is holy. God is love. God is righteous. God is just. We could be here for months. I'm not going to have this study be exhaustive. We're only going to be here for four more weeks, leading us up into the conference. But what I want to do is I'm going to do my best to paint using scripture, allowing God's book to speak for God himself. What I'm going to attempt to do over the next four weeks is I want to attempt to paint a full picture of who God is using scripture. So next week, we're going to start in the beginning. Week two, we're going to find ourselves somewhere in the middle. Week three and four, we're going to close it up and and see what God says, says about himself in the end. Over the next four weeks, I'm going to attempt to paint a full picture of who God is for us. In order that, listen, here's my heart for, for our study and for our community here at Young Adults. With the goal of allowing us as believers, and maybe you're here and you're, you, you don't claim to be a Christian. That's great. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. I want us to have a full idea, a full understanding of who God is. A full picture of who God is and what God is like using, using Scripture, using His book. Here's a verse as I'm trying, I'm slowly going, but I'm trying to make my way off through Scripture and read it entirely. And a few months ago, I was in Jeremiah. And I found this verse and I, it just stuck with me. And I, you know, the Bible says to hide God's Word in your heart. You know, whenever you read Scripture, just... If something stands out to you, write it, write it down and try to memorize it. Get it into your heart, get it into your mind. This was one of those verses for me. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me. And understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things. 
In John 17, chapter 3, it says, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. And Lord, we're going to pause there for tonight, and we just we commit this study to you. We give you this Bible study tonight. We give you the rest of this series. My heart for myself, Lord, my heart for my brothers and sisters here in this room, is that we would have a full picture, a full understanding, a, a biblically accurate view of who you are, God. Because when we have a biblically accurate view of you, it will allow us to properly respond to you and to live in such a way that honors and pleases you, Lord. Thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you that you even chose to reveal yourself to us. David would say in the Psalms, what is man that you care for him, the son of man that you, you're even mindful of him? And yet, Lord, you, you, the God of the universe, the God who put the sun and moon and stars in space, the God who created the world, the God who created us, you want to reveal yourself to us through your word? You want us to know you? You want us to understand who you are? It is such a mind-blowing thing. Thank you, God, for not leaving us alone. Thank you, God, for choosing to reveal yourself to us in the pages of the Bible. And I pray that as we go through the next four weeks, Lord, that you would just help us. We could be here for weeks, for months, unpacking all of the beautiful characteristics about your nature, Lord. But I just pray that over the next four weeks that you would help us to have a full, biblically accurate understanding of who you are, Lord, so that in turn we would live lives that glorify and please you, God. That's our heart. Thank you for my brothers and sisters. Help us to just read our Bibles. Help us to be patient as we read. Help us to be prayerful as we read. And would you just, as we go about our week and as we're, as we're in the word, as we're in prayer, speak to us, Lord. Minister to our hearts. Encourage us. Thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus Christ. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people together said, amen and amen.